Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. On tonight's episode, I wanted to cover a couple of topics. Uh, later in the show, we will be recapping Winnipeg versus the Seattle Kraken. But before we get underway with that, I kind of wanted to start off with what I might consider trade deadline shopping or summertime shopping. I've been thinking about what the Jets need and what they could you know, realistically achieve from making a few swap deals and maybe looking at some teams that are honestly looking to sell right now. Some of these squads are, are definitely going to be on the rebuilding side, and I have some ideas on players I would like to see the Jets target, in part because Winnipeg's retool and rebuild might actually be expedited if they make the right acquisitions either at the deadline or next summer. It may not all be doom and gloom, so stay tuned to talk about which players could be really good fits for the Jets and why Winnipeg should be chasing them right now. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, welcome to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast. We are thinking about some guys the Jets might target at the trade deadline or during the summer. Obviously, this year is going to be a year of potential change for the Jets. I think a lot has to happen with, you know, the roster Winnipeg has constructed and ultimately how they think about the future of this team. The core right now is is okay-ish but is also very deficient in scoring depth. And honestly, you know, the playmaking ability is kind of there, but the coaching staff hasn't really made the most of it. So I'm going to try to avoid anything that I feel is not really helpful at the moment. I'm going to be looking at maybe some bigger ticket players, guys that can really move the needle for this team, because uh, on paper, I I think that there is enough to be at least a semi-competitive squad, but the over-reliance on the top two lines, I think, has become glaringly apparent. But even the top two lines have some, you know, fundamental flaws. The the PLD line, less so. But uh, the other lines, not so much. So the first name that I'm kind of thinking about, and this one is like a very large punt. I honestly don't know what his career looks like at this rate and whether or not he would really be serviceable. But I would be interested in Jonathan Duran for the right price. Duran's, I think, got maybe a couple of seasons left at $5.5 So he's not super cheap, right? But Johnny D has been a very up-and-down player over his career, and some of it, I think, is partly because maybe people expected something from him that he wasn't really capable of, or in other cases, he underperformed with maybe making his game a little bit too fancy, a little bit too complicated, and so for Duran, it would be simplifying and kind of getting back to the fundamentals of what makes him such a dangerous playmaker. What I think makes Duran a very interesting prospect, though, is that he's got a a really good tool set. He's at a prime age. Um, Obviously, his edge work and, and passing and vision are great. He's got a strong shot. And I think in the right environment, if you give him a good center who can make the most of his tool sets, I think he would actually shine. PLD might be a really good fit, especially if you had like 
I don't know, Connor, Dubois, and Drouin on a unit together. I think that would be a very fun uh, trio. You could also put him with Mark Shifley if you wanted to have Ehlers on the other side because Ehlers would be the transition expert. Shifley and Drouin can kind of be recipients of great passes and also find each other in softer spaces. So I think Drouin, again, if the price is right, would be interesting. Now, I don't know that I would really be interested in paying a lot for him. I think where he is at this stage of his career is probably something of like a middle six player. But, you know, if you give him the right environment, maybe put him on the power play, he could start giving you more top six production. I think that there is enough with him that would make me kind of lean towards him being a really good player with the Jets. But again, it would be a a really big risk and maybe not one the Jets are super keen to take. If they want a more stable player... Brock Besser would be one of my main picks. I I think Besser in Vancouver has been one of their really underappreciated top six players. He's got a monster release. His uh, strength and and vision are all really well-rounded. And he's also got, again, like I said, a great release that would make him a really valid power play threat and, you know, just a great even strength scorer as well. Uh, And also he's defensively responsible, relatively speaking. You're not going to get like shutdown performances out of him, but if he's break even with the kind of numbers that he puts up, like 30 to 40 goals a season with the kind of shot and performance that he has, I really don't see how you could be upset if he was break even or just below. I'm not looking for like a defensive monster here, but as long as he's not like Kyle Connor or Mark Shifley bad, I think he would be a really good winger and a huge upgrade for this team. Now, he will be pretty expensive, that's the thing. The Jets would have to pony up, but I would be okay with them chasing Besser if it meant that they were uh, really serious about competing next year and making necessary moves to ensure that the future of this core is also locked up. The last player, uh, this one is not really a guy that I would expect the Jets to chase, but if they were to, Jakob Chikrin would be interesting. I think Chikrin, you know, is very undervalued by certain teams. He's an excellent puck-moving D. He's had a great top-four performance over the past couple of seasons, and I think if you get him out of Arizona, he would shine for a team like Winnipeg that, frankly, could use his skill sets. He's, you know, defensively responsible. He's got a great shot. His vision and first passes are all very strong. And he's just super technically gifted. I think with him in possession on your top pair, it'd do a world of good for a team that, again, lacks that mobility. Chikrin obviously would also be pretty expensive because he's also on a good value contract. So, you know, if the Jets wanted to take a punt, it it could be an interesting prospect. The only thing with both Besser and Chikrin that probably does scare some teams is that they do have injury histories, Uh, Besser in particular. Chikrin also had, I think, like an ACL or something uh, maybe a year or two ago. I forget exactly what happened with him, but he's finally back at, at, at full strength, relatively speaking. He's been performing at a high level, and I think he might be worth the risk. You know, there aren't many players of his caliber signed to the deal that he is that I, I would really be after, but if the Jets want to take a punt on Chikrin or Besser, I would be pretty much in favor of it. Uh, I would give plenty of young players and prospects Within reason, but I I would give a a good size package to either of these teams. I think Winnipeg could really come out on the winning end here and get a great quality player that can bolster their core and also give them some insurance for the future. Of these names, though, I'd be curious to know who you would be interested in or if you have some other picks you'd like. Be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. We are now going to transition to talking about Winnipeg versus Seattle. I don't know if I'll cover the full game, but I'll at least have the first couple of periods and give you some thoughts on how the Jets have handled things in just a little bit. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. 
Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hey friends, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Also make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily, presented by Locked On NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed, and it's free and available on all your favorite podcasting networks. Get the latest insight on how the Canadian women's team won gold and what is going on with a men's tournament that now lacks both Canada and the USA. Now, hopping back across the pond to the uh, North American Straits, we've got Winnipeg at home versus Seattle right now, and this has been a curious game. So, uh, through two periods, we'll have the third period later in this show, but the first two periods, bit of a mixed bag, right? The first period was just straight up bad. The Jets were second to loose pucks. I felt like the speed and pace of the game very much favored Seattle. The Kraken were more aggressive in the corners. They were winning puck battles. And before you knew it, Winnipeg had conceded two quick goals. I believe one of them was a power play marker. But regardless, just not quite the start you want to have. Winnipeg was really struggling to create. And even when they did get some counters going, Philip Grubauer seemed to have the measure of most of Winnipeg's shooters. And it, I don't know, it felt a little bit frustrating. I know that the team is on the second half of a back-to-back, so again, you do kind of expect maybe some heavier legs and stuff uh, the day after, but by the same token, Seattle has like, I don't know, 16 wins this season, which actually isn't much less than what the Jets have, but we're just going to try not to think about that too much. Uh, Seattle is definitely one of the worst teams out there, and I think that their draft hasn't really panned out the way they expected in terms of uh, this expansion team's performance so far. It's been pretty dreadful. But past couple of weeks, they've won a few games, certainly more than they've won uh, for like the first third or so of the year. And it's not like they completely lack talent. It's just the team in general is very thin and it kind of uh, relies on like one or two lines of offense to sort of carry it while the rest of the team does something, I guess is is probably what somebody else would say. Uh, But as far as, you know, the first period was concerned, Winnipeg, not good. Now, the good news was uh, Adam Lowry and Dominic Toninato right before the end of the period scored a shorthanded goal. Um, in this one, if you give up a shorthanded to Toninato, it's just like game over automatically. I feel like you might as well get relegated to the ECHL or something. But, you know, jokes aside, this is just a really rough thing for the Kraken to concede right before the end of regulation. Um, and, it, you know, maybe it felt like the Jets had a little bit of life. They came out into the second period uh, kicking and screaming, to be honest. Winnipeg looked a lot faster, a lot more aggressive, and as the period started to wear on, the Jets were getting more cycles, they were hemming Seattle in, they were picking off passes, forcing turnovers, you know, more of the kind of stuff you would expect from the Jets. 
things kind of got a little bit dicey towards the end of the power play that was continuing on from the end of the first period. But after a couple of chances that Comrie stopped, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois actually had a really nice counter off of a block shot below um, the crease or, or somewhere inside Winnipeg's defensive zone near the goal line, and it led to a breakout the other way. Pierre-Luc Dubois just sort of thundered through the neutral zone after just coming out of the penalty box, and I don't know, man, he just sort of ripped it right by Grubauer and, like, underneath uh, Grubauer's left arm. This is one of the most venomous shots I've seen him hit, and Gruby just kind of seemed dumbfounded. And after that, Winnipeg was buzzing. The Jets were definitely the offensively more creative and stronger team. Defensively, still kind of a mixed bag on a few rushes. Uh, the Stanley-Schmidt pairing is just... It's another level of bad, to be honest. It's one of the worst defensive pairings Winnipeg has had over this uh, past couple of seasons. But, I mean, you could say that there probably have been worse, but sheesh, man. Stanley is just not really an NHL caliber D. I think if you made him like your seventh defender or something like that, it's fine in case of emergencies, but he really should not be starting over a guy like Billy Heinola. I know that Heinola in his own defensive zone isn't exactly stout, but what you're looking for is faster puck movement, zone exits, transition, all the stuff that Stanley doesn't really excel at. It'll also do uh, Schmidt a world of good to have a partner who can be more aggressive on the puck. Stanley, unfortunately, just isn't that kind of guy. So, yeah, let's not see this pairing again, even though I'm pretty sure we're going to see it for much of the rest of the season. Uh, other than that, though, you know, the Jets had a really solid second period. They then added a go-ahead goal thanks to Blake Wheeler. Wheeler was very active this game. I thought he looked, you know, a little bit more refreshed. Defensively, him and Shifley and Stastny together is still not great. They tend to give up a lot of um, defensive zone pressure and certainly struggle to shut down passing and shooting lanes. But offensively, it seems like Blake has sort of settled down a bit. Um, he's getting into better shooting lanes. I feel like his passing has been crisper. He's not handling the puck like a grenade. This is all kind of good stuff. This line typically hasn't been doing the one thing that it's capable of, which is scoring lots of goals. So now that everyone is kind of heating back up, it at least papers over a little bit of their issues, uh, but certainly not enough to really overturn the net negative value that they have together. Let's be honest, that, that top line is pretty miserable defensively. So let's just hope they keep scoring and kind of outpace at least some of their mistakes. If they can keep lighting opposing goaltenders up, I'm going to have a little bit less to complain about. Still not ideal, but certainly a more livable situation than the Jets line just not doing all that well and struggling to do anything, which is kind of how it was like last year and for parts of the season. So the better they can do now, I'll be a little bit more pleased with that. There are still 20 minutes left in this game, and we'll check in with how the Jets close out tonight's efforts. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs during the busiest time of the NHL regular season. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vesna trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts of tonight's Locked on Jets podcast. We are uh, closing out a, uh, a fun game against the Seattle Kraken. Third period was a bit of an interesting thrill ride, shall we say. Winnipeg was the better team for much of the period, and then found itself on a single counter, conceding a nasty little random goal that just sort of deflected off of someone, I don't even know who, maybe Eberly or someone else, and somehow the game was tied 3-3, but thanks to the Jets being the Jets sometimes, they had a great passing play. Uh, Reichel set up Kyle Connor, who then set up Josh Morrissey for an easy little top-shelf goal, and then, you know, the, the Jets added an empty netter and life was good, right? So, overall, the third period, Winnipeg was the stronger outfit. I think that they controlled most of the offensive opportunities. Seattle didn't have a lot going for it, generally speaking, which isn't super shocking. The Kraken are just bad. Now, it did come at a bit of a cost. Alexiak ended up taking out Perfetti at some point during the period, which is why Reichel ended up getting moved up to uh, Dubois and Connor's line. So that's not great. It sounded like he was laboring down the hallway. So hopefully, you know, Perfetti is okay and he's able to return to duty sometime next week. It wouldn't be great if he suddenly gets injured in his first uh, couple of games for the Jets. I think that would be really unfortunate. He's been a dominant creator, actually could have had a goal or two tonight. And, you know, it just, it feels like, the you know, Winnipeg can't really get a single clean victory out of this, despite having a pretty fun game against the Kraken. You know, if they lose Perfetti, that's pretty rough. Uh, They're not exactly replete with depth scores like Perfetti to just replace. So, yeah, we're going to have to hope that Cole can come back soon and that the injury isn't too serious. As far as how the team played, I I thought things were pretty okay. I mean, offensively, the Jets were creative. They had some really nice passing plays. They finished most of them off uh, pretty cleanly. A couple of really great saves from Grubauer probably kept the scoreline a little bit closer than it could have been, but for the most part, I think the Jets took care of business. This is just the sort of stuff that they have to do. I mean, if you're playing a bad team, you gotta win. I mean, that's all you can really say. Do I think it's going to make a difference in the chase for the playoff spot? Probably not, but hey, I, I do enjoy a couple of wins here and there, and it's uh, it's nice to see the guys, you know, going forward and getting a couple of really great opportunities to nab maybe a first career assist like Christian Reichel did. On a related note, I'm seeing a lot of buzz about Reichel recently, and I would kind of put him in like the Mason Appleton category of player. I think that he has a nice role here with the Jets. If Winnipeg wants to keep him around as like an Appleton or a cop replacement, I would not be against that. Of course, David Gustafson will probably uh, get into this lineup at some point in the near future as well, once his upper body injury has healed. But when everyone starts coming back into the lineup and stuff, I really don't think Reichel should be coming out. I have liked his game for a while. I think that he is a very talented player who can fill a simple depth role of being a really aggressive forechecker, somebody who's just very industrious at trying to create offense and getting the puck up the ice. He doesn't exactly have like elite talent or, you know, the the highest end tool sets, but in his case I don't really think that matters. You just want him to be a solid depth player who can fill a role, who can kill penalties, be defensively responsible. I think that's that's pretty much all a fan could ask for. I mean, Reichel has ticked off all the boxes that a coach is looking for. He has a little bit of extra 
offensively creative flair. He's got the defensive and, and work ethics that I think would make him a nice fourth liner. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind him having a, a, a longer-term role with the Jets. I think Reichel has proven that he probably deserves that. Now, for the most part, I thought the Jets were fine. Uh, a couple of players I wasn't really super thrilled with. I thought the fourth line was kind of like not great again. Uh, it wasn't as terrible as it was the last game, but it also wasn't ideal. Um, and, and the Stanley Schmidt pairing is just horrendous. It's one of the worst D pairings uh, for the entire game. So, yeah, like I said earlier, I would like to see that grouping broken up at some point, but I don't know if Heinola is going to draw back in. Heinola works a lot better with Pionk and Schmidt than Stanley does. I just don't know if the coaching staff really sees it that way. So we'll have to kind of play it by ear. Yeah, Dave Lowry definitely likes his gritty veterans. This guy is a little bit more old-fashioned than I was hoping for. Not super shocked, though. I mean, given the coaching staff and how they've been managed previously, it just sort of tracks with how the Jets are. All we can hope for is that the future is a little bit brighter for the kids and the next coaching staff really gives them an opportunity to blossom and show off stuff like some of the guys did in tonight's game. I'd be curious to know what you thought about the game. Send your thoughts to HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now be sure to make your second listen Locked On Bets, your one-stop shop podcast for all of your betting needs, featuring great advice and expertise from your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Locked On Bets, free to subscribe and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. As always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!